0: Good morning, I'm Annika Kulbert. It's Monday, April 11th. Migrants in Tijuana face increasing dangers. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. Starting today, you can once again attend San Diego City Council meetings in person. Two years ago, the pandemic forced public access to go online. In January, council members and staff were able to come back to council chambers, but the public still had to use Zoom and phone calls. Virtual attendance will still be an option for the public going forward. The Biden administration is desperately calling on Congress to pass more funding for the ongoing fight against COVID-19. KPBS health reporter Matt Hoffman asked all of San Diego County's congressional reps where they stand.
1: Congressman Scott Peters tested positive for COVID-19 last week. He's supportive of more funding, saying that the U.S.'s pandemic infrastructure needs to continue. Congressman Juan Vargas says the funding is absolutely needed and he's optimistic that something can be done soon. Congresswoman Sarah Jacobs also supports ongoing aid, adding that pulling back now only hurts those most at risk. Congressman Mike Levin says he supports the funding request and hopes that a bipartisan compromise can be reached. All of those who got back to KPBS are Democrats. The lone Republican representative here, Darrell Issa, did not respond to requests for comment. Matt Hoffman, KPBS News.
0: After a boiling heat wave last week, prepare for much cooler weather today and Tuesday. The National Weather Service says a cold front is coming through, bringing a drop in temperatures and some strong winds. They say if there's rain or snow in the mountains, it won't be much. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. It's been two months since Tijuana evicted hundreds of asylum seekers from a makeshift migrant camp just south of the San Isidro border crossing. Many of those migrants were pushed to the outskirts of town, where they faced the prospect of homelessness in a dangerous neighborhood. KPBS border reporter Gustavo Solis has more.
2: Rosa, who asked me not to use her last name, has been living in a constant state of terror. She and her two youngest children fled from their home in the Mexican state of Michoacán last year after members of a drug cartel stole her family's farm and kidnapped her oldest son. Now in Tijuana, Rosa still pays a monthly ransom of $60 a month to keep her son from being
3: tortured. Rosa
2: says that the cartel knows that she and her children are in Tijuana, and she's terrified at the thought of being found. She's currently living in the outskirts of town, paying $150 a month to share a one-bedroom apartment with five other people. She's waited nearly a year for a chance to request asylum in the U.S. That delay is caused by Title 42, a public health order from the Trump era that limits access to asylum
3: seekers. Rosa says
2: she felt much safer living at El Chaparral, a makeshift migrant camp near the San Isidro border crossing that was abruptly shut down by Tijuana authorities in February. For months, she lived in this tent community with hundreds of other asylum seekers, mostly from Mexico and Central America. She knew her neighbors, had access to social services, and could even work in nearby stores. Her new apartment is isolated and in a dangerous neighborhood. It takes her an hour to get to downtown Tijuana, where most of the jobs and social services are. Pedro Rios is an advocate with American Friends Service Committee. He says the living conditions in the camp were by no means ideal, but migrants were safer there than they are now. So conditions for them, for, for many of them, uh, went from uh, bad to worse. He says the migrants have been left to fend for themselves in one of the most dangerous cities in Mexico. They're going through some serious, uh, troubling situations where they don't have housing, they lack access to information. They are much more susceptible to being robbed or or being apprehended by the authorities. Rosa's neighbor is an Honduran woman named Darcy. She is also running from gangs and asked me not to use her last name. Like Rosa, Darcy used to live in El Chaparral.
3: No tenemos trabajo. Hemos ido a buscar a fábricas, pero igual no aceptan extranjeros.
2: Y pues nos toca vivir de la línea. Darcy says there's no work in this part of Tijuana. She applied for jobs at several maquiladoras, but they don't hire foreigners. She lives off whatever money she can make, begging and washing cars at the long border wait lines. Running out of options, Darcy is left waiting for U.S. border policy to change.
3: Esperando siempre. Siempre estamos con la ilusión de que nos van a decir, eh, ya necesitamos tal cosa para poder cruzar, o qué sé yo, o alguna fecha, alguna esperanza, pues.
2: Rosa and Darcy's frustrations have heightened over the last couple of weeks. The same border officials who use Title 42 to block their asylum in the U.S. have allowed hundreds of Ukrainian war refugees to enter the country. Rosa understands that the Ukrainians are fleeing a war, but she says that living in Michoacan is almost like living in a war zone.
3: The, Michoacán war? Okay?
2: the U.S. Department of State currently has a level 4 travel advisory for Michoacan. It is the highest level. And advises people to not travel there because of crime and kidnapping risks, the same thing that Rosa is fleeing from. After a year of waiting and living in constant fear, Rosa feels abandoned by both the American and Mexican
3: governments. Gustavo Solís,
2: KPBS News.
0: The San Diego Rescue Mission got the contract to run Oceanside's first homeless shelter last year, but construction has yet to begin. KPBS North County reporter Tanya Thorne has more on the holdup.
3: Oceanside's first homeless shelter will be run by the San Diego Rescue Mission at the old Ocean Shores High School. But the buildings are in need of a remodel, and a shovel has yet to hit the ground to prepare for the 50-bed homeless shelter. Johnny D is president of the San Diego Rescue Mission. He says he would have hoped to be open by
1: now. We typically own our own stuff and we set our own timelines, but in working with another municipality and working with another city, you know, we've had to jump through some hoops just to, to try to figure this out, and I think that's delayed it a little bit.
3: The site is city-owned, so all bids needed to be approved by the city first. In a statement, the city of Oceanside said that when developing a project of this magnitude, it is normal and expected for plans to change. D said demolition is expected to start in the coming weeks, and he hopes to be open by late summer. Tanya Thorne, KPBS News.
0: Racial discrimination against home buyers more than 50 years ago is still having an impact on San Diego communities. KPBS reporter Matt Hoffman says a local policy group is looking at how decades of redlining led to more liquor stores in vulnerable areas.
1: The Alcohol Policy Panel of San Diego aims to prevent binge and underage drinking. They hosted a presentation about how redlining policies from decades ago are still negatively impacting some communities. For example, there are higher concentrations of liquor stores in communities of color and low-income areas. San Diego County Supervisor Nathan Fletcher says this needs to change.
4: Intentional government policies created the inequities often along racial lines that we see today. And so intentional government policies have to address it. And, and that's the, the hallmark of what we've done in bringing an equity lens to all of our efforts around public health, addiction, homelessness, home ownership, housing, uh, to, uh, to try and right many of the wrongs of the past.
1: Representatives from a variety of sectors, including health, education, and public safety, were also joining this conversation. Matt Hoffman, KPBS News.
0: A local private school is helping to bridge the cultural divide for first-generation Mexican-American students. KPBS education reporter M.G. Perez has more.
1: The Francis Parker School in Linda Vista, with 1,300 students in pre-K through 12th grade, is predominantly white, which can be a challenge for children who are not. So the school has created a program it calls Speak to help minority students and their Spanish speaking parents navigate the academic, cultural and financial opportunities available to them. Uriel Sosia is a freshman.
2: My parents didn't actually go to college so it's going to be a new experience for all of us and I have three siblings that for right now are following the path that I went.
1: The Parker School's white students are mentored in cross-cultural competency and allyship to their classmates. M.G. Perez, KPBS News.
0: With Tax Day on April 18th, some local leaders are trying to raise awareness about a tax credit for low-to-moderate-income individuals and families. KPBS Speak City Heights reporter Jacob Ayer has more.
4: Some local agencies put a spotlight on one way to get money back on taxes, the Earned Income Tax Credit, also known as the EITC. It's furloughed to moderate income families. The Volunteer Income Tax Assistance Program is helping San Diegans file their taxes and get some money back, all for free. San Diego resident Crystal Casillas got help through the program.
3: And um, well, it's actually a blessing because I'm a single mom of two kids. And extra $300 not paying a taxpayer is, it's a plus.
4: Individuals and families can call 211 or visit 211sandiego.org backslash taxes to see if they qualify for the federal EITC and other tax credits. Jacob Ayer, KPBS News.
0: Coming up, we have details on a new program to get more Californians into state parks. That story's next, just after the break.
4: and donate what you can, all right? Thanks.
0: If you have a public library card in California, exploring a state park just got easier. KPBS's Deb Welsh explains. With a public library card, you can now check out a parks pass in the same way you check out a book or a movie. Each library branch, including mobile libraries, will have at least three passes, complements of the California State Park System in circulation. Those passes will allow free vehicle entry for day use at more than 200 state parks and beaches. How long the passes can be checked out, according to State Librarian Greg Lucas, varies by each library branch. The library passes are part of a pilot program to increase access to state parks, especially for children in underinvested communities. More information on the new California State Library Parks program is available at checkout.ca.stateparks.com. Deb Welsh, KPBS News. And one more before you go, the San Diego Repertoire Theater's second annual Black Voices reading series continues tonight with Darren Kennedy's Reparations. KPBS arts reporter Beth Ocamondo spoke with the playwright. Darren
3: Kennedy's Reparations imagines a future where technology can access blood memories.
1: The main character, Rory, takes up the state of Oklahoma on an offer that if you can use this new technology to prove that your ancestors were the victims of state-sponsored violence, that the government of Oklahoma will provide reparations. The piece really explores Midwestern racial identity, how legacy can actually be experienced in a visceral way, perhaps even written into our genes. Kennedy's play looks
3: past generational trauma to consider if joys and dreams might also be passed down in one's DNA. Reparations will have an online reading tonight, followed by a discussion as part of San Diego Rep's Black Voices Reading Series. Beth Accomando, KPBS News.
0: And that's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great day.